Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Move Podcast, brought to you each and every day this summer by Ketone IQ, of course, made by HVMN. Uh, stick around for the end of the show. Michael Brandt, the CEO of, uh, of HVMN, is going to come on and just talk about what they're building, talk about the product. One question I have uh, is we get a lot. I get a lot of questions about uh, Ketone IQ, uh, not just for sports, you know, from folks that you know may not train as much as, as we do, for example, but uh, just just curious how it would affect their everyday life. So we'll we'll get to that at the end of the show. But not only is he coming on the show, but there's been a lot of shit I, talk I, going I on about it's, the mountain bike ride yes. afterward, and he's ruffled my man's feathers over here. Yes, which that's you know, why we I, haven't seen in a long time. So I'm I'm personally very excited about how the day unfolds. Right, and that's why I was carbo loading with Sprite last night. That's Get right. ready. <laughs> uh, but before we do, uh, let's talk about stage fourteen. Alain, where do we go? Stage fourteen. Anemas two. Morzine les portes du soleil. Anemas to Morzine les portes du soleil. That's a tough that's one. A, that's a, that's just it, it's so good. Uh, in, incredible win uh, from Carlos Rodriguez. Two in a row for Team Ineos, a team that you know, and I think they're fine in their groove. And we can talk a little more about. Uh, we talked about it the other day about the just the morale within a team. They get a, a stage win from uh, their team leader yesterday, yesterday, Michael Kwiatkowski, and then it, just keep it rolling. But. Uh, before we get into that, today's show brought to you by Roka. Roka has invented a completely new class of eyewear. Glasses optimized for performance. So whether, but not just performance, it's on the performance side, it's on the casual side, and it's on the prescription side. And update on that. How about we combine casual and prescription? JB, show, oh, how do we, how do we yeah. go, how are we looking here? Yeah, the, I got these. None of us, we all tried them on. None of us could see ourselves up on the monitor <laughs> because it, JB's damn prescription is so strong. They're I prescription know. and they have readers in them. That's amazing. They're progressive wow. sunglass. These are these are awesome. They're they're unbelievably lightweight. You'll literally forget that you're wearing them. They do have the best optics on the market. No other sunglasses compare. They're crystal clear, fog resistant, and scratch resistant. And no matter how bad you're sweating, they've got no slip technology. They will not slip off your face. Hand built in our hometown of Austin, Texas. The Move listeners get twenty percent off. Just go to Roka. That's R O K A. Roca.com. Enter the code the move. Also today brought to you by Wahoo. I love that. I love doing that too. That's almost that I always like that as much as I like listening to a land. The number one bike computer used in the Pro Peloton. If you've been watching the tour, you've been watching the guys win the stages, you'll realize how much you're seeing Wahoo bike computers. Uh, Their latest release, the Bolt 2 and Rome 2. Include Wahoo's new Summit feature, which is cool, and I, and, I, and we they actually alluded to it on the coverage today, or maybe you talked about it, George. Where these guys, they are you know because even in the race, this this uh, Summit feature pops up, so they can see the profile of the climb, they can see how much farther to go. Well, yeah, I was actually very honored. Our propeller head Spencer actually asked me what what I thought they were looking at. So thank you, Spencer, for yep. putting that confidence in me. <laughs> And I just assumed that they were checking out the gradients and how much further to the top of the climb. I think I think they the uh, of any bike computer manufacturer they provide more teams in the Pro Peloton than anybody, which is pretty cool. It shows you how much the Peloton trusts them. Head on over to Wahoo Fitness. That's w w a h o o fitness dot com slash the move. Use the code the move for twenty percent off all full price products during the tour. Stage fourteen. What a, what a uh, um, what action packed, right? From the very beginning. Um, I, I, uh, by the time I got up and turned the, turned on the TV, uh, I did not see what had unfolded, but I uh, could tell it was already an aggressive race. Uh, Spencer hadn't climbed up from downstairs, so I, but he was of course downstairs uh, uh, watching on his phone. Sounds like we missed. I missed some action. A lot of crashes. A lot of abandons. Uh, they stopped the race. Yeah, they stopped the race early on. Uh, this huge crash, about what ten guys went down, or even more. More guys went down, but a bunch of guys had to go to the hospital, so that to neutralize the race because they didn't have enough ambulances to get all the guys to the hospital and keep ambulances in the race to follow the the riders that are not that didn't crash. I mean, it's just complete chaos. They stood there on the side of the road for thirty minutes. Hmm. I mean, think about you know how this messes everybody's game up uh, mentally, physically. Just your body shutting down there for thirty minutes. Kind of I always crazy, think about that when, when you see the ambulances, which is happens all the time. It happens in amateur bike racing. Yep. Somebody's leaving. If that, if it was an NFL game, the most popular sport in the U.S., and five people left in an ambulance at one game, mm-hmm. it would it would just be the biggest public outcry to, yeah. to change everything. Yeah. It's wild. Slightly different being in a contained stadium. This you have open roads, so you don't know where. 
if they restart and they're 15 miles up the road, it's, it's hard to, to follow the, the, the caravan or the Peloton. But it, it just highlights just how serious the sport is. I mean, we had to stop the race because they didn't have enough ambulances. That's pretty. Is that the reasoning for the stop? The well, stoppage, uh, well, like 24 minutes. That's what they said. That, that's really, it's just very uncommon, very rare that you would need more than one ambulance yeah. after yeah. a crash. They needed, they said five to six ambulances. So if they took all the ambulances from the race, then there would be no ambulances left in the in the caravan, which obviously they can't they can uh, take that risk. I have to imagine it affected the race too, because you know we had all these ideas about well who's going to be in the breakaway, Vanart's going to be in the breakaway, and then can you imagine just sitting there mm-hmm. for like thirty minutes and then you go, and the break never really had any life. Like Yumbo just kept it on a tight leash. I I bet that restart affected that how that right. played out and Let, certainly helped some guys that got dropped early. Yeah, Those are the, I mean we talk about the guys that were negatively affected. There's some of these guys that are just uh, dead men walking or sprinters that were already dropped. All of a sudden, they see the Peloton stop. It's like an early Christmas gift. Yeah, well, not only that, but Spencer brought up a great point uh, during our pre-production show that the sprinters still only finished 38 minutes behind. I mean, (laughs) for all you guys that think you can probably out-climb these sprinters, think again, because they're... (laughs) 14 days into the Tour de France, and they're still hauling ass. Probably Spencer thinks, uh, estimates around 1,500 VAM just for survival, just to get to the finish line. I mean, these every single person left in this pel- peloton are full-on gladiators. Mm. Yeah. But uh, Carlos Rodriguez pulled it off, and, and uh, I think, look, you can't take anything away from his performance, can't take anything away from uh, the stage win. Uh, his move up in the GC, of course, he's now on the podium by one second. I, we can get into that. I think there's a lot of bike racing left. Um, but what unfolded in front of him in order to allow him to get back into the race, um, boy, I think we're going to have to spend some time talking about that. Yeah, I I mean, I, I was scratching my head. Mm. As a director or even – okay, I can understand the riders. I mean, uh, Pogachar and Vindigo are going full gas up this climb. Team time are basically pursuing each other up the last three, four, three kilometers of the climb. They catch each other. They're going for the sprint. I can understand where mentally probably everything is not there. But as a director, when you're following these guys and you see Rodriguez coming in, you know, without a doubt, the only thing he he has to do is pull as hard as he can to the finish line. What do you do? You just sit on his wheel. Mm. Like that's a free ride to the finish line, a free ride to a victory for a guy like Pogachar. I just don't understand how you let the gap go right at the, right at the top of that last little bump. And almost let the guy win the stage. I mean, as a director, you say he is going to pull no matter what. He's got to put time on Hindley. He's got nothing to lose. Let him do the work. Sit on his wheel. In light of the available time bonuses, you mean, for Pogachar? Well, yeah. I mean, it was clear at that point Pogachar. I mean, it doesn't matter for the GC, but if he's trying to, to get the as much is, time bonuses as he can. Much time bonuses and stage wins. I mean, stage wins are going to help the whole you know, ambiance of the team. You mm. saw what's going on with Ineos now. They won yesterday. They won again today. It just, it just bumps up a team to another level. Um, and R- P- Pogachar essentially didn't have to do anything to win that stage. So for me, it was a huge mistake to let him get that tiny gap on the downhill. I, I, I don't, you know, you, yeah, I would even go back farther than that. I, I, I don't understand. And, and Jumbo d- did look better today. I mean, I think at some point, God, they were down to 30 or 40 guys. They had eight, all eight riders there. So you see that and you're like, wow, what a demonstration. I, I just don't know if that type of demonstration and it's there. I don't think it's their responsibility to try and control the race and make it hard. They have the jersey. The momentum is not on their side. Let the other teams do it I, I, and, 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 and you stretch it out. And then when it was just Vingegaard and Pogachar, why sit on the front? I mean, when, when he finally caught up to him and which was first, first of all, that was interesting. That was that was uh, fun to watch. But then you have a time bonus at top, on the top. Then why go to the front? And they were literally reminded me of a track match sprint where they just kept, he kept looking back, looking back. It is get to the, if you're so curious about what's behind you, then go behind you. Like it, it, it is not your job to be on the front. You are in the jersey. Well, just sit, sit back the, and watch the, yeah. Just sit back you're there. More let, control. Let, first of all, let UAE try to make the race hard. Let them try to win the bike race. And then, you know, if you're sprinting for a time bonus, which they were, well, then then sit on the wheel. You get you have the right to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But the only thing that I see what's happening right now, Vinigo at the finish line said they were trying to make the race hard. Well, it's still going to be those two guys at the top of the hardest climbs. Uh, we've already seen it time and time again every, from the stage one. 
So the only thing they're doing is really just killing their guys. I mean, well, guy, right now they're just taking out their team. I, no, I'm not getting paid by Yumbo. I, I feel like I'm like I'm this Yumbo apologist. The, I have no defense of the Vindegaard. Why was he on the front looking behind? If only there was a way to see what was behind you. Go behind the rider behind you. It makes no sense. But to me, I think they've decided today and stage 17 are the two days that they can win the race. They can win the race by not taking Pogacar fresh to the final climb. I think the concern is if they don't make it hard all day and they let Pogacar just kind of roll into the Juplan, he just drops them. Like imagine that pursuit. There was like that 3K pursuit where they're holding steady. Vinegard pulls them in, gets to the top of the climb, take the time bonus. I don't know if that happens if they don't make it hard. Like if it's easier and you let Tade just go, I don't think you get him back. So that could be a reasoning for why they did that. I think that's wishful thinking. I don't. I don't think it's that simple with Tade Pogacar. Well, yeah, um, I don't. But maybe, I, but maybe you have to have wishful thinking. But, or, or play your cards. Look, we've got Sepp Kuss, who's now up into sixth place. You want to make the race hard. You want to make them really work. Then find a way to send him. We've been talking about Sepp Kuss and how he's uh, still in the GC. You find a way to put him in the break. All right. And maybe, maybe that ugly, again, we're not in the team meeting. We're not, we don't know anything. We're just sitting here from, uh, you know, 5,000 miles away trying to talk about it. Maybe that's a play, but, uh, that's a, yeah, that's definitely a play. Uh, it's, it's amazing seeing Sepkus in sixth place overall in the Tour de France after doing all this work, but we've also seen him, he struggles in the, in the start of these really tough stages. I think it takes him some kilometers to get the legs going. <clears throat> Um, and what we've seen is the breakaway is going pretty much, uh, right, the attacks are going right away. Today, the breakaway went after several kilometers, so, but they didn't get any time. So they just kept them there. And I think the most remarkable thing is you've come around. So now you're uh, appreciative of, of his place in the GC and the, and the I job. I am. American like, in, in top six overall in the Tour de France. This Let's is go. It's a striking. Okay. So, well, here's, hey, I never said I wasn't. A, I'm a huge fan of Sepkus. Right. I'd like as your thought, I'd like your thoughts on this because it seems like uh, Jumbo has been trying to keep the pace high because Pogacar is so explosive. But today, when they were just you know like track racing, as you said, Jonas proved that he can go pedal stroke for pedal stroke on an explosive effort. Well, kind of you're, you're forgetting a very, <laughs> very, very significant thing that happened. And, and, it, and it's, and it's something, and we get asked all the time and it's, you know, the question goes like this, Hey man, that shit looks crazy. What's it like to ride in those crowds? Aren't you afraid they won't get out of the way? And, and I always give the same answer that, you know, just in front of us are, are either cars or motos and they will get out of the way for that. Uh, you never really think about, uh, and these are, of course, uh, photographers and, and, and cameramen that were on these motos. That is the only reason that he was able to to uh, to get the time bonus. And Pogachar must be, you know, obviously livid about it. Well, I don't, you, I don't know about that. You think he would? Well, <laughs> we saw, we saw. These guys are so calculated in their efforts now. We saw Vindigo not go with. They they probably knew he was going to attack. They probably know exactly the numbers he can hold. Vindigo just stayed within himself and clawed his way back and and end, ended up winning that bonus sprint pretty pretty easily. I mean, right. he dominated that sprint. So I think even he was expecting Pogachar to go. I think, but I yes, think, we don't want to see the motor, motorbikes I think that get in affect, the way of the race. I think that really affected him. I don't think he would have popped him there. I no, think he no, I don't think well. he would have popped him, but I think it would have changed the results of the time bonus. Spencer, your thoughts. Did the motos affect the outcome? I guess we'll never know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, my, my secret theory is Tade saw them up there and was like, Oh, I, I'm just going to do this, and then everyone will think I would have won. TV attack. <laughs> but we've been criticizing Jonas a lot. I mean, Lance said something during the final climb where he said, "This is pretty risky from from Pogacar. Like, why why attack as far out as he did? You know, wouldn't it, you just be better sitting on Yumbo, let them ride, pump Jonas for the sprint at the top, win the stage? You mm-hmm. take a bunch of time back via time bonuses." Seems like you, Jonas, or sorry, Tade and UA did like everything wrong. Like the stage worked out as poorly as it could have worked out for them, assuming that there's no crashes or anything like that. They lose the time bonus at the top. They don't win the stage. And it kind of all stems from that original attack on the Juplan. To, to George's earlier analogy <clears throat> early in the tour, if this was a round of a boxing match, Jonas Vingegaard won this round. Yeah. Let's, let's not be mistaken. I don't think they rode the smartest race as a team. I don't understand why you sit on the front and look back all the time. But if this is a round in a boxing match, he won the round. Right? He got the time bonus. He added a little time on GC. And, uh, you know, and to, you know, what I would say to Pogacar, if you're going to send it, it's fine. 
but be sure and be ready to really send it. Don't get reeled back in because that's just, and that's another, you know, that's probably the most important reason. Forget the one second that he gained on GC. Uh, just being able to sit there, control himself, not lose time, keep him right there and bring him back. He wins the round. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think they're pretty disappointed in not getting that stage win. Um, like I said, the, one of the first things I learned as a professional cyclist, if you're in the breakaway, you don't get dropped on the downhill. That's just, you just, you just can't, as a professional cyclist, you should not ever allow that. Is that a panic cooking move? That's, well, I'm not going to say for one of the best riders in the world is a panic cooking, because he's not, but he was over that last bump. He was basically on the wheel of Rodriguez and he knew that Rodriguez had to pull all the way down this hill. Why let him get that 10, 15 meter gap? Just stay on the wheel. It would have essentially cost him zero effort to stay on that wheel. If I had to imagine what he was thinking, I, I, I think he probably was relying a little too much on Adam Yates. He knew Adam Yates was there. He knew Adam Yates would help. Adam Yates was cooked. You saw I, it at the end. If you have a teammate there, hey, let's let's keep this guy right there. It's slightly uphill to the finish. Help and, what? It's all downhill. There's not there's nothing to help. You just stay on the wheel. It, it's I th for me. It's not Pogacar. It's the director's fault. Like he's coming, get on that wheel no matter what because he has to pull all the way to the finish line. But you guys were all commenting on Pogacar's form going downhill. Did not look good. He, he looked a little bit off. And actually, rattled. Spencer made a comment about his wheels being super uh, deeper dish wheels, which can be a bit stiffer. Which maybe or is a little bit harder to corner. I know I've, I've experienced that in 2009. I was in a breakaway, got to the top of the highest point in the Alps, thinking I got this downhill all the way to the finish line. I had a pair of deep dish wheels on, and it really truly affected the way I cornered down that hill. And I wasn't able to catch up to the first four guys, ended up getting fifth place. And I do blame the, the stiffness of the wheels that I chose that day. So perhaps that was an issue on his descent today. I didn't understand the wheels. Did they? Did they think it was like a sprint stage and they showed up like, oh, <laughs> like this is the wrong stage? Like that's I don't understand why they have like fifty. That's like fifty-five mil wheels. Yeah, which, George, is there any um, thought to perhaps uh, Pogachar underestimated um, Rodriguez's ability to go downhill that fast? Because I know, I mean, I didn't, I don't know the kid that well. I haven't, certainly haven't seen him do a tricky downhill like this, but my. Gut reaction was he's going to he's going to go not slow, but he's not going to go fast on the downhill, which he ended up doing. I mean, maybe he was just going, you know, we get this guy. I mean, because both those guys, all three of those guys can really go downhill. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I think Rodriguez just got there. He was he was, you know, super excited to be back in the front and just knew that he had to put time on Hindley no matter what. I'm sure comes on the radio like you got to go. We're going to get the podium spot here. He probably wasn't even thinking of the win when he went down that hill. He was thinking about getting as much time on Hindley. So he just got the bonus by getting in a gap from Pogacar and making it all the way to the finish line. Do we want to talk about Rodriguez? So Ineos, two wins in two stages. They've been searching for a GC contender for years. Mm. Have never really replaced Bernal after his crash. They now have a second youngest rider in the race. I think he's 22 years old. Probably going to get at least top five, maybe third, wins one of the hardest stages. This is like the answer to all their prayers, and he's going to Movistar. Why? What is going on there? Let's not forget, he he, he won the stage today. He also had some sort of mechanical because we saw Kiyotaski wait for him and bring him back to the first group. Mm -hmm. So he didn't go without incident the whole day. So he had an amazing mm -hmm. stage, but he's still not at the level of Pogachar and Vindigo climbing-wise. But I agree. I mean, he's on a he's on a roll. I can't believe anyone else would be willing to leave him or they may perhaps they couldn't match the the offer of Mo Movistar and or that, you know what he's a Spanish rider and there's something to say about riding for a Spanish team you know you as, a, as an American I always wanted to ride for an American team I, I grew up wanting to ride for a team from Kazakhstan it was like my, <laughs> it was like my dream and then you know it was just like a quiet dream for most of my life and then Borat came out and I was like that's it see I knew it I have to this I really I, I identify as a Kazakh I feel another Jonah Tully coming here in the next <laughs> oh, couple of days. Um, uh, uh, and that Spencer, that's a done deal. He's it, that sign sealed delivered. That's what I hear. I mean, I would assume that they signed something on the first rest day. That's generally how that works, right? Well, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, a team like Mobistar, that's that's a great move. But we'll see how. I, I'm always curious how people or riders leave these these programs that are so organized and yeah. so perfect whether it's Enios, jumbo uae and then go to another team uh, that that just is this not it doesn't have the same structure doesn't have the same uh, meticulous training diet uh, just attention to detail we'll see how it plays out movistar is not that team if, i think they're all going towards that direction there's there there's no other way to be successful now all the teams are you catching know up, bumping up their nutrition okay. game their training game 
all of that stuff. Well, the Mr. Propellerhead right here, Spencer, told me today actually an interesting factoid, which would refute that. He told me as we were up there early watching uh, the early stages of the race that Frances de Joux just this year did their very first altitude camp ever. So if I can comment on that. Um, well, by the way, uh, Johan just chimed in. Thank you, Johan. Uh, Rodriguez move to Movistar is not a done deal. But even if the teams are not like Ineos, where they have collective training camps and everything's taken care of by the team, the guys with money, they're now doing that individually. They're hiring their own nutritionists. They're hiring, so they're basically essentially creating their own team within their team because they have the money to do it. And that's the only way that they can be successful. If it's not a done deal, this is good for Rodriguez. Yeah. This, yeah. He just became a lot more oh, valuable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I For his sake, I hope it I is hope not a done yeah. deal. Yeah. No, this is to make that paper. But yeah, and before make, we get too far on, we've got to mention uh, what we saw with Wout Van Aert. I know. I want to. I was going to do a little business and then because I, I want to spend a, a second. I want to spend a second on Wout Van Aert and I have some thoughts on that. Uh, today's show brought to you by HVMN, of course, the makers of Ketone IQ. Everybody, I, I know you're excited to, to to try Ketone IQ, but I have a feeling. Uh, more of y'all are excited about just how Michael does on our mountain bike ride today because he's been talking a big game. We've been talking a big game. Uh, we have like a, you know, a lot of people do these ice baths. I saw him as a, before I walked into the studio, he was actually in a ketone IQ bath. <laughs> it was one of those t tubs and it was full and his, he has his whole team here. They got, they're making content and they were just dumping. I mean, there was like 25,000 of these, they were pouring them in and he's literally, dripping we, he's dripping in ketone. in ketone IQ out there. I think that's, uh, I hope that works for him. Uh, <laughs> But they did launch the world's first drinkable ketone in 2017. Ketone IQ is their latest innovation on ketones with improved effectiveness, taste, and cost. Uh, does a bunch of great things. Better uh, um, sustained energy, mental focus, and sharpness, and gets you into the flow, which let's hope Michael is in today. Um, and not just do they provide ketones to most of Peloton, but also to other uh, badasses like the Special Forces. You can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, that's hvmn.com slash the move. Subscribe over there at checkout and you get 30% off. Also today brought to you by Element. We talk about it all the time. Um, I actually rode yesterday when we were riding. George was to put his arm on me for a photo that Liz was taking and I was soaking wet. I'm I was like, sweating. Bro, I was just chilling up this climb. The homie was like, my hand was like mopped in sweat. I'm like, I know. Ugh. When you put your hand there, I was, I was like, please don't. Because I, I knew I was sweating. And I was like, I know he's, he's going to say something. And then you <laughs> took your hand back and you didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, cool. I got off the hook. And then like 20 <laughs> seconds later, he's like, dude. You're sweating. Um, and, but but I, I, I talk about it all the time. I like to sweat. I do sweat. It's, it's just a thing. But um, in order to replace that, I rely on Element, uh, which has 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 uh, milligrams of magnesium. George has been hitting one every morning in a, a glass of water before he starts his coffee, which is yep. a little hack he got from his buddy, Andrew Huberman, who's also, by the way, a big fan of Element. Uh, special offer for our listeners. You get a free element sample pack with any order when you head on over to drinklmnt.com slash the move. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash the move. Last one of the day. Uh, today's show brought to you by AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that provides whole body health. Uh, I drink it literally every day. I think this entire crew uh, literally drinks it every day. Uh, I, I gave it a, a try because I was just sick of taking, you know, dozens of pills every day. And also, I'm just not great when it comes to, uh, you know, eating all the stuff your mom told you to eat. Right. All the, you know, what are you supposed to do? Like eat like your dinner is supposed to have like six colors in it. Do you do that, JB? She definitely ain't telling you to drink two that. Sprites at night for dinner too, or four Sprites. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does. All you can drink Sprite. Let's go. <laughs> it does cover all of our nutritional bases on a daily basis. I simply wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support. Uh, and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. So with every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support all these cool things like energy, focus, strength, and clarity. Listen, at the end of the day, it is about taking control of your health. And by the way, you get to do it for less than three bucks a day. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash the move. 
One more time, drinkag1.com slash the move. All right, let's talk about wild found art. Here's what I think. Uh, and w- I'm just going to make a very broad statement. Um, I-, I think pound for pound, and nobody's going to, it's not like one of these things I say and everybody disagrees, but pound for pound is the best bike racer in the world, right? When you're talking about what he does for, for a team, what he does in the classics, what he does in cyclocross. And there's always these comparisons between him and Matthew Vanderpool. I know Vanderpool might've won some bigger races. I think it, when this is all said and done, Wild Van Art is, is, is the better rider. And I think he's pound for pound, the best rider in the Peloton, what he did today, which from a strategy standpoint, I don't really uh, understand. I don't know what he got as a command from the team, but it was a mental blow for sure. I mean, but to see him as he does, and we've talked about this before, when he was done working, he pulled over, he was crawling. And I mean, in the blink of an eye, the guy is sprinting back up to the front of the group and, and starts to pull and dropping uh, some of Pogachar's key lieutenants. Like the, the guy is such a beast. He dropped Micah. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's he, like uh, a climbing domestique. Right. You saw Coos going to the radio. I, I mean, I was kidding, saying like, oh, we need you to come back. Wow. I'm like, now I'm wondering, did he say that? I, I don't quite no, understand I, what I, that I was doubt about. It. I well, doubt it. UAE was starting to take charge after Jumbo had done all the work and wow, just wasn't having it. That's what it seemed like. He's like, no, 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 not on my watch. I've never seen anything like that. I haven't either. Yeah. And I've, I've done that many times where I pulled as hard as I could. And <laughs> once you do that, uh, it's seeing the douches time. Again, it wasn't, if, if, you, and if you were watching and you saw this, it wasn't like he pulled off and then went to the back of the group or started to kind of get dropped, swing off the back. No, he was done. Yeah. And then something was said or a command was given and, and the guy was reignited and he flies up, you know, throwing elbows between, between that small front group and the fans and then rips this monster pull. Not crazy. I'm surprised you guys, didn't someone write in and ask who would win the tour if there was no teams? <laughs> Gotta be wow, right? Yeah. I mean, because he could just put everyone in the crosswinds on a flat stage. And- Should we give well, okay. I'm, I'm going to give wow the boomstick give just Wyatt because I, I'm going to reiterate, I do think pound for pound, he's the best bike rider in the peloton. Boomstick for Wild Fan Art. How about this uh, GC battle shaping up? I mean, 10 second difference between first and second after stage 14 and a one second difference between third and fourth. This has got to be one of the most exciting tours that we've watched in a long time. And I think it's just going to get better and better. They're both, they're two separate races. I mean, I think, I think those two, and it's actually not even two guys, in my opinion, they're not two guys competing for the podium spot. I think there's more, I think there's a lot more bike racing to go. We'll see how this complicated time trial works out for folks. Obviously, tomorrow's a hard stage. So let's just say the the spot, the race for the podium might be three or four guys. Yeah. Um, and let's not forget, Jai Hindley had a really bad crash today. He was all torn up. Um, so the fact that he's able to sort of limit his damage today, I think is a real indication of how strong he is currently. The kid, look, the kid's tough. And he always, he, he when he's getting, when he's in trouble or getting dropped, he, he hangs in there and, and manages to come back. I love the guy's toughness i feel like yesterday spencer had some insight because you were you were like championing jumbo visma vingegaard and i think we all felt like the momentum was definitely sh- uh, shifted to pogachar until today now it seems like what he was saying yesterday is pretty accurate and you feel like now now elaborate on that spencer uh, I, going forward i mean i got some pushback on this on this morning, I was like just waking up, going on social media, just I'm just basking Ooh, in the negative comments. It's getting me fired up to watch the stage. Wait, but you were like, what? You were tweeting? No, just reading, just reading, oh, just reading at stuff. Tweets saying I was didn't know what I was talking about, but <laughs> but there's a small okay, sample. Okay. Welcome to the club. Hold on a second, All right, Spencer. I know you're you're kind of new around here, but uh, I think it's one of the like uh, cardinal rules of the team we do here and, and team. Can't the read move. the comments. You do not read what the fuck any of these <laughs> idiots say. You just don't. I mean, you just, so, all right, sorry. Keep going. Get me, get me all fired up for the stage. It was it got me out of bed, but. There's not a huge sample size. I mean, Vinegard's raced three complete Grand Tours in his life. He started four, and he's in the middle of his fourth. So th- there's not a big sample size in anything. But I'm sure Yumbo has looked at the data and said, when the race is really, really hard, Jonas is better in the third week than Tadej Pogacar is. And they're just kind of following that plan. We might think it's silly. We might think it doesn't make any sense. But I'm sure that's what they're thinking. Johan's going to be yelling at his uh, computer listening to me say this, but he was saying, oh, silly that UAE paced all day yesterday for four seconds for a four-second time bonus. Yumbo paced all day for a one-second advantage. They gained one second back in the GC. 
you know, this isn't going to matter. Are we sure about that? Like, what if the time trials, just just say that's a wash. They're about equal because they look pretty equal to me Mm. in their fitness. And they're both good time trialists. This might be like a sub 10 second tour. I don't think that's out of the question. What was, I, the, what was I, the closest margin uh, between first and second? I think it's eight, right? Isn't it LeMond and... Are, are you un-American? Well, it, <laughs> it was a question. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and have a Greg LeMond I didn't uh, say I didn't uh, know the toast answer. or anything, I but are you un-American? Like that's, <laughs> I don't know about you, but that sort of got me into cycling. I was just, you know, you have, you've been riding that Colombian, Colombian up too much, <laughs> but we even Boy. potentially more relevant to the current day. We just saw a 14 second zero and through that whole zero, it was like, well, this won't matter. This won't matter. This won't matter. It ended up mattering. You know, these GC races are getting tight. Like Primoz Roglic rode the 2020 Volta slower than Richard Carapaz and won the race because he got more time bonuses than Richard Carapaz. Like there's current examples mm. of these time bonuses really mattering. Mm. I liked it better when guys, <clears throat> me, were winning by like five, six, seven minutes. That was <laughs> like so that cool. Better? Yeah, that was that was way more chill. <laughs> and then you know, wow. And, and 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 if that in fact does happen, which I I, I tend to agree that it will, I think we're going to be going back to that first week and looking at things. I, we're going to go back to that stage that I was so irate about. There's, you're going to be able to go back and 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 grade people's homework and say, that's where you lost the race. I think I said it on on stage three or four, but. Um, so which team do you, do you see as being stronger right now? UAE or Jumbo? Is I mean, it's pretty, definitely is it Jumbo, but jump? yeah, you could, you could, I, I could, would understand quibbles about how they're using that strength, but yeah. I mean, they have Wout Art. That's the tiebreaker right there. Well, we, <laughs> got, we still got Adam Yates up there as well. He's one of the only guys keeping up with them. So it's a, I think it's a tough, it's a tight, tight race between the two guys, obviously, and also between the teams. All right. Tomorrow. Yeah, let's let's look take tomorrow. a look. It has that it, start that you guys always groan about when you see it. And since that's a Sunday, and I know y'all, you folks are it's summertime and it's a weekend, you might want to go out and have a late dinner and have a couple of Chardonnays with George. The good news about this <laughs> stage is uh, uh, it finishes an hour later, uh, just on a, from a logistical standpoint. So you know, George having a, a couple few more Chardonnays because you get to you get to come into the office an hour later, Mar. I still stand by my stance. I'm going to prefer Chardonnay over Sprite any day. <laughs> Y'all, we uh, use it. Back me up. It, it, the this, hangover's better with the Chardonnay yeah, for yeah. sure. This yeah. is uh, this is uh, this is a gnarly stage uh, and a little longer, uh, 180 kilometers. So that's uh, what. Uh, 115 miles roughly. But if you, um, if we focus in on the final climb, which I think is interesting because it's really, they're calling it two climbs. So the first part, they're just giving it a category two, but it's nasty. Uh, of course, pitches a 17% and then a short downhill and then back up. So this is a legitimate uphill finish. I don't remember if we've ever done this before, but um, uh, we'll see how the, this dynamic between these two guys play out on that climb. Yeah, I know it's going to be another monster day. Bunch of, I mean, but today we had 19 guys essentially team time trialing and never got more than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they didn't give up. And actually, Spencer thought, asked me what I thought about it. And it was just like, they're just hoping for that one moment where the leader's like, you know what? I got to take a piss. Let's stop for a second. Give me four minutes. We would have probably given them four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. Johan, can you, if you're listening, back me up on that. Giving our guys a bit of a, you know, a rest day, but. And like we said earlier, they perhaps they wanted to make it as hard as possible. Not perhaps they did want it to make it as hard, hard as possible. Um, but we're just seeing crazy, crazy aggressive racing. Yep. Johan disagrees with Spencer. Tune into JB Squared to hear what that's all Ooh. about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's probably right that it won't be of less than four second difference. But it's honestly hard for me to see where is the difference going to be made. Like if they can't make a difference on the climbs. The time trial, I guess. Yeah. Spencer, the only thing I, I kind of go back to is is uh, I get that maybe they've done the data and they realize over time or the times that they've gone head to head that Vingegaard was better in the third week. I, I, I just keep thinking about uh, Pogachar's injury. His preparation was slightly, obviously not slightly, was interrupted. So he had a, a, a different buildup that perhaps could change that um, that dynamic in the third week. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, in some ways, the broken wrist maybe set him up yep. better for the third week. Like, I've never agreed with his decision to race Tour of Slovenia. You're at a low altitude, like two weeks before the tour. You're not at the training camp. I think he's maybe had a better lead-in for this tour than last year. But I don't think he looked great today. 
I really don't. I think he, I think he, uh, he, he just, and of course we watch enough bike racing and just, just look at these guys, see how they're pedaling, look at their face. I, I was a little concerned there. And then the, the attack that he couldn't sustain, I think again, that gave the round to Benga guard and, 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 you know, just one of those things you think about at night. You're like, damn. There might be a lot said for Vingegaard leaving the big sunglasses on. Total poker face. Yeah. Whereas yeah. we were watching Pogacar and we were going, eh, something looks, you can pick up a lot more from their facial expressions. Somebody, actually, Johan sent me a funny picture. I don't know if you have it handy, Colton. We should have put it on the show notes. But uh, from the 2000 Juplan, the day we talked about yesterday, we had an awful day. Of course, the start of the climb, I thought I was going to absolutely destroy these guys. And then I was just riding along with the devil. <laughs> I mean, look at this guy. And this guy's still standing he's on the road. He, he's still standing there on the roadside of the Tour de France. Um, but you see that face? That's not a good look. If you, if you, if for the rest of the tour, you see anybody with that face, they're in trouble. Because I was in big trouble that day. And are we are we judging Yumbo on like mid exam? Like, is this a full weekend plan? Make it. I mean, this must have been one of the hardest stages ever right if just from a kilojoule expended perspective like from the gun all out through multiple mountain passes what is like tomorrow also part of the plan where they really i thought okay. they really wore yeah. pagatra out today okay. I, what, i'd say yeah what, i'd say something similar right, right now we're we're only seeing a handful of guys that can actually attack on days like today and tomorrow we saw 20 guys do it uh today they're as tired as the yumbo guys because they were going full gas the whole day as well so i'd see a, i would guess a similar situation tomorrow yeah, one-two punch. All right, we have a couple of things to do, and then stick around if you're curious about ketones. You probably like it's. I find it's difficult to explain, and people ask me a lot. So we're going to have Michael from uh, HVMN on here shortly. But we do want to do the uh, Ventum trivia of the day. You can win an NS one. We're getting close, a week away from you uh, possibly winning this. Yesterday's question was: What was the first year the tour had a grand depart outside of France, and where did it happen? The answer was 1954 in Amsterdam. Oh, mm. I, for some reason, I wanted to say Berlin. I don't know why. Today's question, what was the original nickname of the tour? We'll take a, your French or wow. English answer to that. How's that? Uh, if you go research the answer, send it into trivia at VentumRacing.com. I think I know. But I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. But Tri- I, th- I think I know. All right. Trivia at VentumRacing.com. And one last surprise here. We, you remember last year, you guys did the dumb and dumber thing on, on Alon's <laughs> monkey scooter, <laughs> which is still funny to look at. Well, a little update from Joe. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> is this is also from dumb and dumber, like the suits and everything. Yeah. yeah okay. Oh, yeah, I need to I go back that. and rewatch that. George. Um, That's the scene at the fundraiser in Aspen. Yeah. And he said, George says, you feel in that jealous energy, Lance. And I said, just looking for a chill day. Namaste, bro. Namaste. <laughs> that is, why does George look a lot cooler than me with the hair and whatnot? I look... God. Joe, keep it up. I guess Joe's back from vacation. Or maybe not. Love it. They're working on the vacation. His wife's like, what, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, dude, the guys are calling me out on the show. I got I to gotta get, get, get a piece up for him." <laughs> She's like, you are a loser. I should We're on him, family I vacation. Should, I should throw Joe a bone. I don't think we've ever mentioned the name of his company, Boiling Point Creative. Yeah. If you want to follow him on socials, yeah. or you need some work. I think plan. HR HR tags him in the social posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. If you too at home want to look like Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> it's go head on over to boilingpointcreative.com. And for 0% off, use the code the move. <laughs> All right, we're going to do a little quick switcheroo here and uh, bring in Michael Brandt from Sorry. HVMN. Sorry, Spencer. All right, as we talked about at the top of the show, special guest, Michael Brandt, CEO of HVMN, the makers of Ketone IQ. I probably get more questions about ketones than any other thing we talk about on this show. I do. People are just so curious, uh, um, not just obviously from a performance standpoint, but also folks that just, I mean, JV talked about it months ago about COVID brain. I think that probably mm-hmm. led to a bunch of questions, but just, just Michael, just give us like a, a general oversense. I think the real, you know, these, these super high end optimizers, they, they understand. But if you're, if you're, you know, you're kind of a weekend warrior or you're just, you know, which, you know, no offense, you're like me, uh, most of us are, uh, how, how best to, to approach ketones? 
Yeah, what the heck is a ketone? Right. A lot of us have maybe heard about the ketogenic diet mm. or bulletproof coffee. These are instances where you eat really low carbs. So bulletproof coffee is a type of coffee where you put fat in your coffee. No sugar, just fat. And that fat will turn into something called ketones. Our brains can't use fat. And fundamentally, our brains cannot use fat. Fat will not cross the blood-brain barrier. Sugar can, but when we're low on sugar, our brains will turn, our bodies will turn fat into ketones for brain fuel. And it has all these advantages. Besides just being a backup energy source, it's also really efficient. It feels really good. It gives us a lot of clarity. What we figured out a way to do with Ketone IQ is just skip a step. So you don't have to do the ketogenic diet. You don't have to have bulletproof coffee. You're able to just have this direct ketone brain fuel directly in your system, fueling your body and brain. Mm. So it's got calories in it. It's a substrate. It's a macronutrient. It's a form of fuel. We always say it tastes like rocket fuel, works like rocket fuel. So it's a form of fuel that works in your brain in a way that not a lot of other things do. And a lot of people subjectively feel really nice when they're taking it, whether they're on a big bike ride, whether they have COVID brain, whether they're jamming <laughs> at their desk. Yeah, I'm COVID brain now, <laughs> guy now thing. <laughs> or, or, or maybe even if they're just sick of talking about bike racing for after two weeks. So that, that would be me. I'm going to have to have a little shot right now, uh, to be yeah, honest. People yeah, always, they always ask me too, when, on, when is the optimal time to take it? Yeah, they're like, do I take this in the morning, pre-workout, post-workout? What, what, when is it most best functioning oh, oh okay cheers. yeah hey, hey good luck today cheers. buddy <laughs> likewise yeah, you've been go. talking big game i always say have it first thing in the morning okay. you're sleeping you're by default fasting overnight so your blood sugar is dropping and your body's starting to make its own ketones already you're already intermittent fasting for eight hours as you're sleeping ketone iq is going to feel really nice on an empty stomach it'll help you extend that overnight fast if that's something you want to do and it'll it'll hit well. It'll have this pronounced effect. And so, so we're clear when you say first thing in the morning, because when I, you know, when I th- there's two sort of first things in the morning, right? There's like feet on the ground, walk down to the kitchen. Is that first thing in the morning, or is first thing in the morning like you know in the first hour or so? Are we talking about first thing in your mouth? First hour or so. So okay. like have a glass of lemon water. You can have your athletic greens. You can have your cup of coffee. This is in that ritual. You have a shot of ketone IQ. And it's no calories. It's just extending your overnight fast and giving you this nice mental clarity boost to start the day. Love it. And then you can re-up throughout the day. You can have it before your workout. You can have it during the afternoon slump. A lot of people I know don't want to have caffeine after noon. So if you want a pick-me-up that doesn't have sugar, doesn't have caffeine in it, you can have ketone IQ in a, in a re-up later in the day. All right. Okay, so that's your sorry, go ahead. That's your protocol. What, what's uh, the, the standard or... Sort of the uh, protocol for the guys racing the Tour de France right now. How are they taking it? They're having a ton. So (laughs) yeah, so they're thinking about it in terms of grams per kilogram of body weight per hour. Mm. I know that's a lot. Sorry if we're already going into the the technicals here, but you're having half a gram of ketones. So each shot has ten grams. So you're half a gram of ketones per kilogram of body weight. So say you're a sixty kilogram guy, you're having thirty grams of ketones per hour of exertion, and you're you're stacking that on top of your your Carbs. So what that ends up looking like just for maybe a more advanced amateur rider is that every time you're having 30 grams of carbohydrates, every time you're having a goo pouch or something like that that has 30 grams, you would match that with ketone IQ and then you'd have a nice ratio. So like we're, we're kind of going for like a three to one ratio of carbs to ketones. Mm-hmm. You dual fuel that way. They go through different pathways and you're able to get more energy going into your cells, more ATP production through these parallel different pathways. And are you, are you, are you able to mix this in with like your normal carb drink? Is that affected at all? Or is most people, is that how people do do it? Or? That, that's super popular, especially okay. with cyclists, right? Cause you, yeah. you know, you get, you get your kind of witch's brew. I don't know what yeah. you call it. Like mm. your, your bottle that's got no, that, electrolytes. That, that was in the old days. We, they, we, we don't talk about that anymore. It's a, it's a yeah, new age witch's brew. Yeah. The new age witch's brew. Well, you'll have your, you'll have your electrolytes. You'll have your carbohydrates. It really depends. Some people like to keep their water bottle just water because yeah. they're, they're, they want their gels and their bars and their ketone IQ to all be separate. Some people like to mix it all together. So all you got to do is squirt, squirt. Really depends on what you like to do. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people mix it all together so that they just have the ratio when they're squirting it. All right. I, Michael, I want you to explain something to me because on, on JB Squared, I've gone a little bit off script talking about ketone, ketone IQ, because <laughs> as we do here, we do. <laughs> well, because, uh, and, and I, and I've said this on that show, it's like, if people, I have ADD and I've dealt with it my whole life, right? <laughs> Not just COVID brain, ADD brain. 
And if you have ADD, you know, there's been back order of the medications you normally use. So I've been off of it like six months and I was like, oh crap, I'm going to really struggle during the, during the tour, putting out four shows a day. I've been on a daily shot for over three months and it has pushed me through. Like I'm doing fine. And it ha I attribute it to that. So can you explain that? Is that, is that my imagination or how does that work? Heck yeah. Because yeah. I feel like it's working. That's really good to hear. And yeah. That's that's awesome. We started partnering with Andrew Huberman back in February, runs the Huberman Lab podcast, number one science health performance podcast. And he's not a Tour de France rider. He's generally one of the smartest guys in the world, totally Stanford agree. professor. Totally agree. And we're partnering with him around education on ketones for brain energy. So it's exactly what you're pointing at, where when your brain needs energy, you can have something like sugar or you can have something like caffeine. Those are very much like these stimulants. And I'm on half the caffeine that I've been on for the last 30 years. I a, swear. A lot of people are saying that, right? Caffeine's very much a stimulant. It blocks your sleep hormone so you don't get tired. It makes you really razzed up. Ketones have this way of giving you more alertness without driving up your stress hormones. So you're in the pocket. So a lot of people think mm -hmm. it's, they'll talk about it like runner's high or you're in the zone, you're in flow mm -hmm. state. So this is a way of adding alertness without being like kind of out of the pocket. There's this, there's this Goldilocks zone where you don't want to be sleepy, but you don't want to be overly excited. And ketones gets you into this middle land where you're alert, but you're not like jumping out of your seat. You're not like palms no, sweaty and itchy. And I, I noticed it on the road trip out here. I did like a 12 hour day and I was like, I wouldn't have been good at that before. Michael, you're, you're, you're talking a lot about alertness and performance. Uh, I'm just asking for a friend. Does it do anything for mood? <laughs> no. mood, mood enhancement? It, it's all connected. It's all connected, right? It's all, it all tends to make you feel okay. better. Who, yeah. who, is somebody feeding you this shit? I mean, you're, you keep looking at your iPad. That had to come from somebody, somewhere back in the control room. There's no well, way. Scott, so, if, uh, if the, there's uh, mood enhancement, uh, please just... Get it over the, there the, as the, much the, as we can. There is, I need a little bit better. If you, let me just say, all right, and now I'm in a good mood. If you made that up by yourself, that was fucking impressive. That was unbelievable. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. So we've been cracking at this since 2017. We launched the world's first ketone drink in 2017. It's 2013 now. So we've been we've been cracking at it for a minute, and, and it's it's accelerating. This last year, year and a half, it's just gone crazy. Not only, we've been big in the Peloton. We've gotten just massive in, we're in Equinox. We're nationwide in Sprouts. We've got amazing partners. I mean, you guys have been an awesome early partner as well. We've gotten a lot else of other partners in our in our roster, and it's really accelerated in the last year and a half. And a lot of that is around whatever you want to call it, cognition, mood, like the the brain aspect, because it's it's in part because ketones are interesting because they're powering your muscles for your body. Like you have more substrate for your quad, for your calf. We're seeing more and more over these six years that a lot of the performance benefits are driven by your brain. The fact that you have ketones circulating through your body and especially your brain. So it's less that you have more substrate availability in your calf muscle and more that you have more central governor, more that your brain just has more get up and go and you can like tell your legs to shut up. Mm -hmm. You have that, you know, like, you know the feeling that like when you're biking hard, a lot of times it's like your brain that's telling you to quit. You have more yeah. juice in your legs. Yeah. And so if your brain is ha has a little bit more oomph to it and with the special relationship between ketones and the brain, whatever you want to call it, like whether it's mood, whether it's cognition, whether it's willpower, it's all mediated by the brain to be able to tell yourself to go a little bit harder. My, awesome. my takeaway is, is all the HVMN employees are so dialed in. You could go to a four day work week over at corporate. I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> move, move the company to France. It'd be very popular. Okay. One last thing. Cause no, I know, I, have, I, I know you're oh, okay. you, second to last thing. Okay, good. No, you go. Oh, okay. Well, I'm curious because I know you're an avid runner Yeah. and you're, I, I, I want to know how much you're on a mountain bike and what your expectations are to, cause I know these guys are worked up for some reason about this ride today. <laughs> I'm do, looking, do you ride much? I ride a lot. Okay. I Look, I'm building up to the Chicago Marathon. I'm putting out 80 miles a week. That's coming up in October. Very strict build in the last like month or two. Generally, over the last five years, I've been on a bike a ton. Look, I'm not you guys. Like You guys are, are the... the the Man. best of the best. So it, I'm not going to talk. I'm not here to talk shit. I'm here for a fun bike ride out. George, I think I can keep up and let's see happen. how it goes. Well, he's already leading the, he's already leading the, the, the challenge. He's got 20 pull-ups already this morning. Beat, Listen, beat uh, our man, Colton, uh, who's uh, Mr. Shred Village. I saw Colton walking without a shirt on yesterday on the bike path. I almost crashed. The guy is so shredded. <laughs> beat Colton. <laughs> he's jacked. I mean, he's jacked. All right. Um, well, it feels like we need a camera crew on this ride because I'm just dying for when Michael actually gets off the bike and runs his bike past George. I would do anything <laughs> since he's training for Chicago. 
Uh, Bro, la- if you roll up it with the uh, running shoes, I'm not riding. Okay, <laughs> that shit better be clipped in. It better be gone. <laughs> All right. Lastly, I just want to touch on the Andrew Huberman thing because I, I, I'm a big fan of his, uh, um, and and I think as are many people. You said it. He's got one of the biggest shows in the world. I think he's one of the smartest guys in the world. But most importantly, the guy's unimpeachable. Like you know, we try to keep things on this show uh, that that we believe in, that we that we use on a daily basis, and we truly believe in. Huberman is is all of that as well. So to have him on your team, being you know having the brains of Huberman, but also the endorsement of him, I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna think about or work with you on the. The guy is the man. I will say that when we first kicked off that partnership, there was a lot of back and forth on what exactly does yep. the science show? What yep. are the dozen different research papers? What's the safety? What's the efficacy? Just really kick the tires. And that was awesome. I, yep. mean, I really appreciated that. And that was a that big yep. seal of approval. And it was cool. Like we've done a dozen or so episodes since February. And it's cool. We're baked into those episodes. So anytime someone's watching the episode, the canonical Huberman lab episode on breath work, like we're in there and, yeah. and you can hear about it. You know, all right. Just one more thing. All right. This is the, the only thing I didn't like about the guy. Right. And I like most of everything he does. The guy, um, this is for real. He must've had like 82 ketone IQs before he did. He did a three hour podcast by himself, basically telling people why you shouldn't drink alcohol. Wow. George, well, you should I listen. Don't want to listen to that. Yeah. JB's yeah. like, well, that will skip that one. I mean, three hours alone telling you just how big a turd you are for drinking alcohol. Wow. Wow. I had to turn it off. And, you know, anyways. I thought that you were going to say the opposite. That's why you've been off any alcohol for the last, what, 30 plus days. Yeah, a little more. A little more. I've, I've, I've dabbled a little. I've, you know, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't put these, 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 you know, we talked about it the other day, the whole boundary thing. It's important to know exactly what those are when, when they can flex. So and let's not talk about me. Anyway, <laughs> let's get on a, like on a strict physiological basis. Alcohol is not doing you any favors, but right. there's also joy to vive. You got to live your life. You got to enjoy it. And that's a yeah. balance. Everyone can decide for themselves. Yeah. Yes, cool. Absolutely. We're All about right. to have some fun on that bike. All right. Oh, by the way, is it because when you were in that uh, ketone IQ bath, is it like sticky and stuff when you get out? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> you, gotta, you guys got a shower in the studio. Yeah, I we, upstairs. You're going to borrow the shower. All right. Let's go do it. Thanks for tuning in, hey, everybody. Yeah. Uh, we will uh, see you guys tomorrow. Another exciting stage. And not to get way ahead of ourselves, but if you want to, rest day after that. And then, and then this thing just keeps hitting the riders. Uh, and so lots, lots to look forward to. See you all tomorrow.